Alright, so in chapter 19, we had the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What did he do? He set up his millennial kingdom. Alright, he took the beast and the false prophet. Uh, that is the government piece and the religious piece of the um, uh, this last empire, uh, evil empire that we're uh, facing. Alright, and he they were cast into the lake of fire. Satan, he was put into the bottomless pit and bound for a thousand years. All right. And so Jesus went about setting up earth. Now he actually brings heaven to earth. He sets up the earth how he intended it to be. Amen. This last uh, Babylon. Now remember what Babylon is. And we're living in it right now. It's man's attempt to do anything without God. It's Babylon. It's doomed, even from the very beginning, all right? So when he puts away um, the, the beast and the false prophet, he binds Satan in the pit for a thousand years. He goes about to set up his millennial kingdom, what God intended from the very beginning. My God, he goes about setting up the way he designed it from the very beginning. All right, what does he do? He cleans up the environment. Uh, there's geographical changes uh, that he makes. Uh, he brings about a righteous government, uh, a government for the people, but by him. Amen. He establishes world peace. He restores truth and honesty. Um, health and prosperity, uh, uh, a blossom, amen, uh, eliminate uh, the sudden uh, uh, infant death syndrome, no children die at an early age, and an old man, he lives out his years, which is a thousand years, all right, he brought about provision, the earth is yielding her, her strength, uh, talked about how uh, when you uh, sow uh, a row of crop and no longer, no sooner than you put the seed in the ground and you get to the end of the row, it's time for the reapers to come. Uh, you plant a row of corn and you get to the end of the row, uh, you look back and you got six feet, uh, seven, eight foot uh, uh, stalks of, of corn already growing and the reapers are, uh, tell you, when you plant the grapes, you, you don't have to do uh, the uh, vine ripened grapes, you know, they, you remember Orson Welles, I think it was him, he said, I will sell no wine before it's time. Well, in this instance, when he brings about the millennial kingdom, no sooner than you plant the grapes, you can call for the people to come and start stamping them out to make the, the fresh wine. All right, so the earth is yielding her strength, amen. He brings about peace even in the animal kingdom. It talks about the child is going to, um, you can put a child out in the field and come along uh, the, uh, the asp and the cockatrice. These are poisonous snakes. Talks about a child, and I think it was a toddler, uh, a youth that can reach into the den of the poisonous snake and, and pull them out. Uh, they're not going to hurt and harm one another. So he's going to bring perfection up on the earth. Now, um, now this is not absolute perfection. Uh, 
uh, because you all remember death is going to be the last enemy that he's going to put under his feet. Now, when we get into Revelation 20 uh, or 21, I think 21, he's going to throw death and hell into the lake of fire. But but death has been um, uh, subdued, but not eliminated. Uh, so uh, a man is going to live out a thousand years. That's going to be his lifespan. But there's still death. Otherwise, it would be heaven. All right. So, but this is heaven on earth. All right. Um, <clears throat> he sets up his millennial kingdom. It's established. Uh, men enjoy the benefits of the ultimate heaven on earth experience for a period of a thousand years. And what happens? Satan is loosed. My God. And uh, we see here a pattern, a pattern. Uh, when Satan is loose, he has no problem getting individuals that have enjoyed all the benefits of the millennial kingdom. Come on, somebody. We read it. All the things that God had done. And when he lose Satan, they went right along with him. Come on, somebody. My God. Now, remember, Revelation is a culmination of all of those things that have happened since Genesis, the beginning, uh, Revelation, bringing it all to an end. And what we see is a pattern being developed here uh, because even... When we uh, examine Adam and Eve in the garden, it was perfection. It was perfection on earth. And what happened? Satan entered in. You shall not surely die. That's a pattern. Things that have happened in Genesis, God is bringing it to an end in Revelation. Amen. It has already happened before. It's going to happen again. But this time... God is going to bring an end to it. Amen? My God, and certainly uh, we see that uh, when he got his enemies and began to fight uh, against God, God rained down fire from heaven and burned them all up. Amen? So we, see, we certainly um, see a pattern that has already happened. God is going to show it to us again. And this time, he's going to bring it to an end. Amen. All right. Remember what Daniel said in 12 and um, uh, 9. Daniel wanted to know what was going to be the end of these things. And God told Daniel, Daniel said, I saw, but I didn't understand. Oh, God, what is going to be the end of these things? He said, Daniel. Seal the book until the end. It's being revealed unto us right now. He said, the wicked will do wickedly, and the wicked shall not understand. And that's why we're seeing men doing the things that they're doing right now. Even after uh, so many things that we can use in a, as an example, and you would think people will have learned their lesson. No, the wicked will do wickedly. One of the things that I was I mentioned on last time, I said uh, we had the, uh, the seven-year-old girl that uh, stood up and 
uh, virtual learning and, and, and burst out in tears and told and had to confess before everybody, I'm hungry. I, I can't focus in on education or, or learning. Uh, I'm hungry. My God. And I asked the question, do you think anybody in Washington, uh, their heart is going to be pricked by that? No, <laughs> uh, this this COVID relief was was uh, uh, passed by just the Democrats. You would think everybody would understand and know that the poor, uh, you know, if they ever needed a hand up, it is now. But no, they said, well, we this should be going to the top one percent like we did last time. The people don't need no relief. Come on, somebody. The wicked will do wickedly, and the wicked shall not understand. That's what God told Daniel, uh, Daniel 12 and 9, and certainly we're seeing that coming uh, to pass. All right, so remember, we're, past, we're, we're uh, doing two different aspects of the same scripture. We showed you how God came back. Uh, he uh, replenished the earth. He set up new government. He, he gave man everything that reaped all the benefits and then the blessings of the thousand year millennial kingdom. He loosed Satan. My God. And they went back to their original estate. <laughs> uh, the wicked will do wickedly and they will not understand. All right. So we're going to go through tonight. We're, we're in there's so many different aspects that you can, um, uh, focus in on these same scriptures. We're gonna we're, now we're gonna end up at the same spot, but we're gonna focus in totally different aspect of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I started down this path when we first started out because I started out by asking the question: If you were gonna meet Jesus when he came back, where would you where would you meet him? Would you go to the, the Valley of Jehoshaphat? Would you go to Megiddo? Would you go to Jerusalem? Would you go to the Holy City? Uh, would you go to Basra? Would you go to Egypt? Uh, and the answer is all of those prophecies that have been prophesied uh, concerning him will be fulfilled. And that's what we're going to go uh, on uh, tonight. All right. Uh, where are we now? All right. Does anybody feel that we're in like a dress rehearsal? For this last Babylon that we're living into, uh, that we're living in right now, it, it kind of feels like a dress rehearsal to me. All right, the plagues, uh, the Bible talks about noisome pestilence. Certainly we read about the plagues uh, that God is going to bring himself. We're living in a pandemic uh, right now. Uh, we see society's reaction uh, to the current times in which we live. There's panic, there's fear, there's distress, there's irrational behavior because the wicked will do wickedly. Uh, we're seeing for the uh, first time ever a system of monitoring. Has anybody uh, loaded your My COVID uh, alert on your phone? Well, I loaded it on my phone and this is a just the plain truth. Um, if I leave my house and my wife and I, you know, sometimes I leave the house and my wife will say, you know, I wanted to go with you. 
So if I'm going a direction, I say, all right, well, I'm going to go uh, take care of this on this side of town and I'm come back, pick you up, and then we'll resume uh, my schedule. If I ever leave the house <laughs> and I don't have this, <laughs> I'm going back home. Ain't no question about it. I don't go nowhere without this phone. Uh, so my COVID relief, I don't know if you all loaded it up on your phone, but this is, uh, uh, they will let you know if you come in contact with somebody that's diagnosed uh, positive for the coronavirus. Uh, so what do we have now? A system of monitoring. This phone now knows everywhere I go. Go to the grocery store, go to the church, go to work. Guess what? It knows who I come in contact with. It has a proximity sensor in it. So it knows who I'm coming in contact with. So do you see how... <laughs> This one world government, this uh, global economy, uh, we talked about the RFID chip because it's going to go from the phone to in your hand or in your forehead. It's coming to pass right before our very eyes. Uh, I got it because I don't care. I ain't got nothing to hide. They, want, they can find out where I'm going, who I come in contact with. Uh, but we see how technology is being used because now we're doing um, tracing. Uh, and, and exactly what I say is going to go from uh, somewhere a computer is, is, uh, knows everywhere you go, who you come in contact with you, and will alert you if that person or you ever become COVID positive. All right, but eventually, as I say, that technology will go from the phone to in your person, in your body, all right? And it will be a method of control. Is it amazing how our freedoms can be uh, removed just like that? Uh, um, one of the things that's most disturb disturbing to me is a lot of our churches are closed down, um, not meeting remotely, but they're closed down for good. You know, uh, places that you used to could go and enjoy yourself. You can't do that uh, no more. But we see how it's, and I'm in agreement with it right now, but we see how quick changes can come about just by the stroke of a pen or by God allowing a pandemic to come our way. All right? But Jesus said that one of the, Problems of the last days is going to be deception. My God, and how many mixed messages do we receive today? I mean, even when we first started out, you know, uh, only sick people need to wear the mask. And then everybody needed to wear the mask. And then will you save the N95 mask for the doctors and nurses? You know, uh, even concerning the vaccines, amen. A deception is the order of the day. And this is a real test for Christians everywhere because a lot of people are not concerned about the church being closed for good because they didn't feel like they needed God anyway. It was a burden to them to come to church anyway. They have no problem with it.
And certainly we're seeing uh, one of the things that we know that's happening in the Bible now. Just remember when we get into the time of the Antichrist, it's not as if everything's going to change. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene and continue on with the trends we're seeing now. And right now we're seeing a lot of Arab nations that are negotiating peace with Israel. That has never happened before. United uh, Arab immigrants, uh, Bahrain, uh, Sudan, all of these uh, countries that did not want to have anything to do with Israel are now negotiating peace agreements. You know somebody? And when the Antichrist comes on the scene, he's going to keep doing the same old thing. Uh, they're starting to start. He's going to negotiate peace at a, at a greater level. But remember what the Bible said concerning this time. They're going to say peace. And then it's going to be sudden destruction. Revelation is just popping off. It, it is popping off the pages. We're, we're living this right now. Amen. And it is time for the church to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. And we need to be focusing in on what God is telling us, the church, to do. We need to be those mis uh, men of Issachar that had a perfect understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Amen. All right. So let's go ahead and, and get back into where we were. Uh, that's a bit of our recap. Let's go to Daniel. Uh, we're doing just a bit of recap. And my time is running fast. Uh, Daniel, the 11th chapter. Daniel, the 11th chapter. All right. Uh, God told Daniel in his vision he wanted to know what was going to happen to his people. Daniel loved his people. Amen. And he prayed for them uh, constantly. Uh, but God told Daniel there was going to be a safe place that the Antichrist uh, wouldn't be able to come to. Amen. So what did he say, Daniel 11? The 11th chapter of Daniel. We're going to go over this uh, as quick as the God will allow us to. Daniel, the 11th chapter, verses 40 and 41 and at that time, you, we're going to see this a lot of, in the scriptures that we're reading because we're talking about the last days. And at that time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into uh, the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, that's Jerusalem, and many uh, countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand. Even Edom, Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. Amen. So all of the nations are going to make war against Israel. Uh, and they're going to wage war like a whirlwind. They're going to be uh, overwhelmed. There's going to be, they're going to overflow the land, uh, but there is going to be a safe place for God's people to go, God's people to assemble. Amen. 
God's people that they might have safe haven. All right. Uh, there are three places that the Antichrist will not be able to hurt God's people. Uh, God told them to run uh, to, to the mountains to escape. God always have a way of escape for his people. Amen. Even when they went into Babylonian captivity, he gave them instructions to survive. Amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide where? My God, God always have a secret place for his people. All right, let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke 21. Let's look at these instructions one more time. Luke 21. <clears throat> 20 through 21. All right, what does he say? And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh, and let them which are in Judea flee unto the mountains, and let them that which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. All right? Um, it's in Daniel 9 and 27, he said, and when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, amen, they were to flee, amen, flee unto the mountains. Those that are in uh, uh, in the cities, get out. Those that are outside, don't come in, all right? The first time, and now remember we said prophecy, um, it has a present tense and it has a future tense, but this particular prophecy has come to pass. It will be a total of three times, all right? The first time was 168 BC, uh, that's Antichus uh, Epiphanes. He sacrificed a pig to Zeus uh, on the temple altar, all right? The second time was in the first century where the Romans, uh, back in 70 AD, uh, they invaded um, Jerusalem. The Jews fled into the mountains. Amen. And Titus placed an idol on the site of the burned temple after that they have destroyed it in Jerusalem. And it's going to happen again in the end times. All right. This last beast kingdom, this Babylon that we're living in right now, uh, at the uh, middle of the week, that's back at Daniel uh, 9 and 27, at midweek, uh, this Antichrist, who came on the scene blaspheming God is going to turn around and now after he uh, built the temple, he's going to sit on the throne and tell them that he is God. He's going to set up a statue to himself, amen, and cause the people to worship him. All of these are abominations to God, amen. So this prophecy has uh, happened back in 168 BC. It happened in 70 AD. It's going to happen again. We don't know the day or the hour, but we see it coming to pass. People have an appetite for a supreme leader. My God, can you see it? <laughs> uh, a, a golden uh, statue. Uh, but this this statue, you all saw it at uh, 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 CPAC. It, it, it was fake gold. Isn't that what we talked about? 
The false church said we have our own gold. <laughs> we have our own silver. But it was all fake. It wasn't real. My God. This thing is coming to pass. All right. So these are all abominations uh, to God that mock God. And these were the same exact instruction he gave them every time. Flee to the mountains and a faithful remnant will escape. All right, let's go to Matthew. Matthew 24. Um... Let's look at it again, the final battle over Israel and the times of the Gentiles will come to an end. Look what he says, Matthew 24, 16 through 20. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, and that's the scriptures we have been re uh, uh, reading, and know that the desolation thereof is nigh, then let them which are in Judea flee unto the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter thereunto. These uh, passages of scripture are saying the same thing. For these be the, what, days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Uh, we are seeing uh, many of the gospel writers saying the same things, and these prophecies are now being fulfilled. They're coming to pass. But woe unto them that are with child, and them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon the people, and they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. We talked about that in Daniel's dream. On the left of his, that pictorial we did of his dream, uh, we looked at those different empires, and at the left of it was the time of the Gentiles, where Gentile would, the Jews would be under Gentile rule. Uh, when we dealt with Egypt, and we dealt with Assyria, and we dealt with um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, we dealt with um, the Persian, uh, we dealt with the Grecian Empire, we dealt with the Roman Empire, and then the revived Roman Empire that we're dealing with now. But if you go back and look over to the left, it's the time of the Gentiles. Well, Israel will be up under Gentile rule, oppression. And as a matter of fact, uh, she's under attack. She is constantly under attack, but nobody has been able to defeat her. All right. All right. So the, they are going through hell on earth when the Antichrist attack a faithful of few uh, that are going to heed the instructions. They're not going to stay there. They're going to flee. They're going to run to the mountains. Amen. He said, pray that it don't happen on the Sabbath. That's all when the doors of the uh, the gates are closed, um, the city is closed up, pray that it be not in the winter. Uh, those that give suck mothers, it's going to be miserable time upon them. It's going to be devastating on women and children. All right. Now, if we remember Revelation 13, when Satan first came on the scene, the Bible says the power was given unto him for 
42 months. What is that? Again, three and a half years of that seven-year tribulation period. 42 months, 1,260 days, time, times, and a half time. Those are all three and a half years and referring to the tribulation period. All right, so in the middle of that week, Antichrist is going to claim to be God. Amen. He's going to require the people to worship him. And when they don't, that's the abomination of desolation. He's going to be out to destroy all those that will not worship him. Amen. But they're going to flee. Amen. And certainly we know um, the Antichrist was the one. Remember we were studying and it says he's going to try to try to change the times and the laws. He wants more time to defeat and destroy God's people. But the Ancient of Days is going to show up. Oh, yeah. He's going to fight against the saints and he's going to be winning. But the Ancient of Days, he's going to want more time. We, I hope we, now go back if you don't remember. We studied this. We called all the scripture. He's trying to time, change the times and the laws, but he can't do that. The Ancient of Days is going to show up and bring an end to all of the suffering. All right. And it is estimated uh, back in 70 AD, it was over 2 million Jews. 2 million Jews were slaughtered at that time. My God. And there's going to be a great slaughter even uh, yet to come. Uh, as I say, this remnant of Israel is going to go through hell on earth. But God always going to have somebody that's going to follow his command. Amen. And survive. And, and when they're brought up around the throne, they're going to sing a song that we can't. We won't know nothing about. We have a song that the angels can't sing. We've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. But when God calls them up, bring them up before the throne and they begin to worship, they're going to sing a song we have nothing, know nothing about. God brought us through hell on earth. My God. So where are they running to? That place, Ammon, Moab, Edom. Those were all separate places in the southern part of Jordan. Uh, I'm going to see if I can bring up. Uh, uh, let me see. I'm going to bring up that slide of Basra. Okay. Uh, let's go here. <clears throat> you can see it. We have Edom. We have Moab. We have Ammon. That's all southern Jordan. All right. That place, those three different places are one place today. Uh, and I'll show you a map of southern Jordan. Uh, they're all uh, gathered now. Um, and if you look to the left of Jordan, the large type of Jordan, you will see a small um, bullet point that says Petra. 
right here that says Petra. That is Bajra. That's where they're going to flee to. All right. And then I can show you ancient um, Bajra. <clears throat> All right. This is Petra. It's called the stronghold uh, of Edom. All right, and Bajra means sheepfold. There's only one way in and only one way out. It is, it is an actual sheepfold. This place was abandoned. It was an abandoned uh, place until um, the movie. <clears throat> Indiana Jones and the, it was the Last Crusade. I don't think it was, it was the Temple of Dune. It was the Last Crusade was filmed here, all right? And then it became a tourist attraction. It's a tourist attraction now. This is modern day. This is modern day uh, Basra, Petra, all right? They, that's the same entrance. Uh, they've had uh, uh, stone uh, crafter cutters to come and they, they've made a, 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 a fancy entrance there, but it's still one way in and one way out. It is literally a sheepfold. All right, that's what Bajra means, sheepfold. All right. And that's where God's people are going together. Amen. And this is where God, a shepherd does. Uh, when he's tending uh, the sheep and it's at nighttime or, or when the wolf threatens, he uh, leads the sheep up into the cave and then he sits at the door and he guards the sheep. All right. All right. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 49th chapter. 49th chapter. I like to keep all of this together and keep the thought together, but we missed a whole week. Then we need to uh, kind of catch up, recap just a little bit. Everybody know where we are. And you can also go back. This is all taped. You can go back to the previous one. All right. He's going to come to Basra. All right. He's going to spread his wings. Jeremiah talked about it. Isn't it amazing? how uh, we're reading the scriptures and it has, we're, we're studying Revelation, but the prophets prophesied about this long time ago and it's coming to pass. God's word is coming to pass. Look what he says, Jeremiah 49 and 22. 49 and 22. Behold, and he shall come up and fly as an eagle and spread his wings where? Over Basra. And what? In that day shall the heart of mighty, the mighty men of Edom be as the heart of a woman in her pains. Come on, somebody. My God. God is going to go and as I started out when we were first talking about this aspect, where would you meet him if he was coming back? Would you go to Basra? Would you go to Megiddo? All of these prophecies are coming to pass concerning him. Amen. So Jesus is going to come and gather his faithful remnant. 
Amen. Those that heeded the warning followed his instruction and the mighty men of Edom are going to bow down and cower. They've never seen nothing like this before. When Jesus comes flying over, amen, to rescue his faithful remnant. My God. All right, Micah talked about it. Uh, Micah, the uh, second chapter. <clears throat> Micah, the second chapter. Twelfth verse. He said he's going to gather his people in the sheepfold of Basra. What does he say? I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee, all of you, and, and will surely gather my remnant of Israel and put them together as a sheep of Basra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. And they shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. My God, that sheepfold, that one way in, uh, that's surrounded by the mountains, uh, that the Antichrist is not going to be able to reach because what? God is going to guide his sheep up in there and he's going to guard the door. Uh, has anybody been in a big place, uh, the Charles H. Wright Museum for African American History? You go in and that big dome is there and people are in there and they begin to start talking and the noise level goes up because it's, it's, it's bouncing all over the place. <laughs> uh, that's what uh, God says. It ain't going to be just a few people there. It's going to be a whole lot of people there. And that noise is going to be bouncing in that dome of those mountains. Uh, what did he say? Uh, I will put them together as the sheep of Basra and the flock in the midst of their fold. And they shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. My God, the sound that there's going to be so many people there. Uh, that just that their normal voice is, is going to be bouncing and echoing off the walls of those mountains. Uh, so you know it ain't going to be a few. All right, let's go to Isaiah. <clears throat> now, the reason we call this scripture Isaiah 63 is because this is the only place that this prophecy fits. It has to be talking about the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know somebody, it this prophecy fits nothing else. Uh, look at it, Isaiah sixty-three. We're just going to read verse one and two. We've read it all the way down uh, before. Isaiah saw him coming, and he said, "Who is this that cometh from Edom?" You know somebody, with dyed garments from Basra. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling, he's traveling, what is he doing? He's going to Megiddo, uh, but, the, but that, that's where he's going to fight the battle, but that's not his objective. He's got to be installed in the holy city. He's going to Jerusalem, he's going to the holy city, he's going to be at the, uh, the um, valley of Jehoshaphat, he's going to Basra. What is he doing? He's traveling in his greatness of his strength. I that speak is righteous, mighty to save. 
Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? Remember somebody, and we've talked about that uh, scenario where he says, uh, I, I've taken them and I've put them in my, my vat. Now I'm stoping them. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, pouncing them. I'm crushing them. My garments is going to be stained. Come on, somebody. When he first appeared, he came uh, stained with his own blood. Come on, somebody. Uh, that was the price he paid for his church, for his people. But now he's stained with all the blood of his enemies. Who is this that cometh from Edom and with dyed garments from Basra? It is I. And my garments are stained because I've been treading in the wine press. Come on, somebody. My God. All right. This is clearly speaking about the second. This prophecy fits nowhere else in the scripture. Um, this is the second coming of Jesus. And why is he going to Basra? Because that's where he told his faithful to go. They're going to flee to that safe haven, that place that the Antichrist can't go. All right, let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah, because Israel's eyes are going to be opened. Come on, somebody. They're going to realize that he is our Messiah. And that's when we will have the Feast of Atonement. Amen. Um, remember the seven feasts of Jehovah? Uh, I don't know you though you of you that have the um, uh, the complete teachings of Bishop G T Haywood. He talks about the seven feasts of Jehovah, and this is one of them, uh, the feast of atonement, uh, when Israel is going to realize that he is their Messiah. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Look at Zechariah twelve. <clears throat> 9 through 14. What does he say? And it shall come to pass, what? In that day, all of these prophets are talking about the end times. <laughs> That's what uh, Job said. Uh, I know my Redeemer liveth, and in the latter day, he's going to come and stand upon the earth. Tying all of these prophecies together at a particular time. My God. All right. That I will speak to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David. What? And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The spirit of grace and supplication. My God. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. In that day shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Heredium in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family apart the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, 
and their wives apart, the family of Shimei apart, and their wives apart, all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. My God, everybody, when they see him coming in his glory and his army with him, that's us, y'all. <laughs> Amen. Uh, they're going to realize this is our Messiah. Those that have pierced him, they're going to see him coming in his glory, and they're going to they're going to mourn from him for him. Look at look at um, the Bible said Esau sought repentance with bitter tears, and there was none uh, granted him. Look what it says here. Um, and I will pour um, upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Supplication is begging for something that you know you desperately need. Come on, somebody. If God didn't pour upon them the grace and supplication, they still wouldn't receive him. But because of his mercy, he's going to pour upon them grace and supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and shall mourn for him and when it talks about everyone apart it's not just that the the husband is going to mourn for god and realize this is the messiah everybody the the whole family of the, the family of david the family of levi the family of uh, shimei Come on, somebody, and their wives apart. Everybody is going to realize this is our Messiah. Come on, somebody. My God. The Antichrist, remember I said he came in uh, Revelation 13. You can go back in Revelation 13 and 6. When he came on the scene, he was given power for 42 months, the first half of that three and a half year uh, um, tribulation period, uh, seven years altogether, but the first half, three and a half years, he was given power because when the seventh seal was opened up in the eighth chapter of Revelation, everybody went silent. Go back and read it. When that seventh seal, and that seventh seal represent the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, for a half hour, everybody went silent. It's kind of like anybody ever cutting up in the back room and your parents come walking in and the first person to say, hey, it wasn't me, that's the person get, <laughs> that's the person get, uh, get. so you, you don't want to be the one to say anything. Uh, you know, you want to kind of do it with your eyes. You know, it wasn't me. <laughs> When that seventh seal opened up in the eighth chapter of Revelation, everybody got quiet. Everything stopped. And from that point, it's all God talking. I mean, and he's going to turn things out. We read it. We read it. All right. So what does he do? He comes in in the 13th chapter the Antichrist, the 13th chapter of Revelation, he blasphemes God. He blasphemes his name. You can go back and read it. He blasphemes his tabernacle. He blasphemed them that dwell in heaven. 
he blasphemes. Uh, and then at the at midweek, he's going to turn around and make a statue unto himself. He done already blasphemed God. Now he wants to be God. You watch out for them people, you know, always talking about they don't want to be you. <laughs> You'd be surprised. People don't, I don't want to be the pastor. Next thing you know, uh, that's exactly what that they want. They want to be the pastor. And since they're not the pastor, they'll blaspheme the pastor. My God. All right. But when they see Jesus coming and defeating the Antichrist with his armies, their eyes are going to be open. They're going to mourn for him. He's going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication. They're going to wail for him as one waileth for their only child, for their firstborn. Those that have pierced him, come on somebody. My God, they're going to wail for him. After 2,000 years of the church age, they rejected him. Come on somebody. Each family uh, by itself, they're going to mourn the house of David, the house of Levi, the house of Nathan, and their wives. And this is when we're going to have that feast of atonement. Israel is going to repent, and God is going to save them. All right, now remember Paul told us, let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans, the 11th chapter. Paul told us that the blindness of Israel was only in part until the Gentile church came in. My God, what did it say? He came to his own and his own received him not. So what did he do? He gave them a bill of divorcement and he got himself a Gentile bride. That's us. Look at Romans eleven twenty five. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. He's a one-woman man. Ah, somebody ought to learn that, learn something tonight. <laughs> he, don't, he don't take two women at, at, uh, at a time. He turned from Israel and turned to us, got himself a Gentile bride, all right? And until he deals with us, the Gentile, the, the Jews are going to be blinded, all right? Look what it says, and so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there, there shall come out of Zion a deliverer. We just read this. He shows up, he fights the battle, come on somebody, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. My God. They're going to mourn for him, as one mourns for his only son. He's going to pour out his spirit of grace and supplication upon them. Uh, when they see the Messiah come in his glory and his army with him, they're going to understand and know this is our Messiah. Israel is go he's going to pour out grace and supplication. They're going to acknowledge him and they're going to repent. That's the key. Repentance is the key. 
and God is going to save them. My God. And I, you know, sometimes you ask the question, well, are they going to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost like we were? <laughs> Listen, uh, tell that neighbor sitting next to you, uh, they're the first family. Leave the first family alone. A lot of y'all ain't, ain't, ain't found that out yet. Leave the first family alone. <laughs> he said, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I'm going to save him. And how he do it, we know he's going to do it because we just read it. But how he does it, that's his business. They're the first family. Leave the first family alone. Somebody better learn that. All right, let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah said, I saw him come. Zechariah, the 14th chapter. Zechariah, the 14th chapter, verse 3 and 4. Zechariah said, the Lord is going to rule. What did he say? Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day. Look at this. We're still talking about the same event. Still talking about the same time. Upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be what? A very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it to the south. My God. Now, let me see here. I want to show you all uh, the pictorial of this scripture. I, I wanted a better... I wanted a better uh, picture, but uh, I didn't have time to do a whole lot of search. That kind of looked like those flanograms we used to use in uh, Sunday school, but way back in my day. <laughs> uh, but that's that's what he he's gonna come. Book what it said. Then shall the Lord go forth. Uh, let me put my. Y'all probably want to see my face, don't y'all? Okay. There I go. Uh, then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half to the south. Come on, somebody. My God. Um, so he's going to come and stand. Uh, and isn't that what Job said? For I know my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And the earth is going to open up. 
the east and to the west. I got one more uh, picture I want to show you. Um, the east and to the west and then from the north to the south. All right. And so it's going to form an L. An L. All right. The Mount of Olives. He's come, Why is he coming back there? Because fulfilling the prophecy. Where would you meet him? If you went to the Mount of Olives, you, you would see him then. All right. Why is he coming to the Mount of Olives? Come on, somebody. He's returning to the uh, scene of the crime. All right. So I have another picture that I want to show you. And hopefully uh, this kind of brings it all together. Um, mm. Okay, I got to back up some. Let me back up. I'm going to show you all. Okay, this kind of uh, uh, sums it all up. Megiddo is the place where the battle is going to be fought. He's traveling down that Kindron Valley, Valley of Jehoshaphat. He's coming to Jerusalem. He's going to the Holy City. Uh, you see Edom down there at the bottom. Uh, well, actually, let me see if I can remove my lower thirds. There you go. You see Edom, but you still don't see the uh, total of my um, picture here. And it stretches all the way down to Egypt. That was one of those uh, scriptures. Where would you meet him if you wanted to see him when he came back? It stretches all the way down to Egypt because uh, the new temple, the new temple is going to stretch all the way down to Egypt. All right, let me go back here. Um, okay, <clears throat> let's go to Matthew 23. Why does he come back to the Mount of Olives? And stand there. Well, Job told us that in the latter day, he's going to come and stand upon the earth. But this is also the place that he wept over Jerusalem. Let's look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, 27 through 39. What did he say? Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Now know somebody. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. My God, if God turns his back on you, there is no path forward.
Come on, somebody. He divorced Israel, got him a Gentile bride. He said it in John 10, and other sheep that I have that are not of this fold, them I must bring also. Come on, somebody. Um, I had a, um, I, I spoke of this long time ago. I don't know if you all remember this. Uh, I was consulting downtown Detroit, and uh, I tried to witness to a Jew. Um, I mean, they don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in Jesus. Uh, I told them, do you know that you're God's chosen people? They, they, I mean, I've never been witnessing, witnessing to a person and been turned off just that quick and just that peaceful. We don't believe in the Bible. We don't believe in Jesus. We, we, we feel that that's all uh, uh, just a fairy tale. It's a myth. It's not true. When God turns his back on you, come on somebody, there is no path forward. And because of that, he came to his own and his own received him not. They have gone, and matter of fact, going through hell on earth right now. Hitler tried to annihilate them, but God protected them and also has prospered them. Come on, somebody. My God. I said Esau sought repentance with bitter tears, but God never turned back to him. And there was none granted. Come on, somebody. Do you all know? Uh, they're at the wailing wall right now, wailing. Come on, somebody. You wish you could just go up and say his name is Jesus. They're at the wailing wall right now of that destroyed temple, crying out. No man can come to the Father except the Son. Draw him. They're at the wailing wall right now. But God has turned his face from them. My God. But when they see him coming in his glory and his army with him, they're going to weep, they're going to wail, they're going to mourn as one mourneth, weep and wail for their only child. Come on, somebody. After 2,000 years of this church dispensation, they've rejected him. He said, I came in my father's name. You all remember that, John 5 and 43. I came in my father's name and you received me not. And then he said, if another shall come in his own name, him, you will receive. Isn't that something? I came in my father's name. Come on, somebody. My God, he comes right back to the place where he wept over them and said, I'm not going to come back until you say, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. They're going to weep. They're going to mourn. He's going to pour out a spirit of grace and supplication. My God, they're going to repent, and God is going to save them.
You all remember Acts, the first chapter, the 10th, 12th verse, when they were looking up steadfastly toward heaven and the two angels came and said, behold, uh, that same Jesus whom you see ascending, he, the, he's coming back. That's where he ascended up. That's exactly where he's coming back. Come on, somebody. My God. All right, let's go to Joel. Joel, the third chapter. He's going to seal the deal forever. Joel, the third chapter, 12 through 17. Where does he say, let the heathen be weakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat? For there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle. This is a reaping of the earth. For the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down. For the press is full. The fats overflow. For their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. That's the valley of Jehoshaphat. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion, my God, and utter his voice from Jerusalem. He's, he's been installed. He's sitting on the throne. He couldn't bring about all of those changes that he did to the earth unless he was in a position of authority. That is his objective, to sit on the throne and rule. Come on, somebody. He's going to roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. So shall you know that what? I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion. This is my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy, and there they shall no stranger pass through her anymore. Come on, somebody. My God, it will be an official end to the times of the Gentiles. No longer will Israel be uh, trotting down by their enemies anymore. Come on, somebody. My God, they won't be bothered by their enemies. The enemy that you see today will be no more. This scripture also confirms, and this is Joel is talking about what we read about in Revelation 14. You all remember that? Uh, let's turn there right quick. This is the same thing. The same thing, Revelation 14, and you can listen to the similarity of the scriptures is talking about the same event. There were two reapings. Come on, somebody. The first reaping went around the throne from the earth, and then there was another reaping that came at the end. Uh, Revelation 14, 17 through 20. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar which had the power over fire and cried with a loud voice unto him that had the sharp sickle saying, 
Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the what? Great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even until a horse's bridle by the space of a thousand and six hundred furloins. Uh, a furloin and a stadia, S-T-A-D-I-A. I didn't look up the, the spelling of that. Furloin and a stadia are a measurement of distance uh, and they're equal. So uh, a thousand furloin equals a thousand stadia. But guess how many... Uh, 600 furlongs, guess how many miles that is? That's 200 miles. 200 miles. Remember, we uh, was reading and we said that Valley of Jehoshaphat is going to open up. It's going to be 200 miles long. And it's going to be a half mile wide. And the blood is going to come up to the level of a horse's bridle. That's the part that goes over his head. 200 miles. Uh, let me. I need to go back to um, this slide right here. Okay, so it's going to start up there. We said he's going to stand at that va on the Mount of Olives. That uh, Valley of Jehoshaphat is going to open up 200, I mean a half mile wide, starting up there at Megiddo and coming down to Jerusalem. You all see that? That's where the, uh, the second bullet point, Megiddo is up to the north. Jerusalem is down to the south. And then the earth is going to part north and south. It's going to part east and west. And it's going to part north and south. All right. So that valley is going to be in the shape of an L. And it's going to be 200 miles uh, long, a half mile wide. And the blood is going to come to the level of a horse's bridle. Come on, somebody. My God. That's what the scripture says. All right? This is the same thing. Um, this is the prophecy being fulfilled. I showed you the slide of it. And what we read in, in Joel is the same thing we're reading in Revelation 14. As I said, we're studying Revelation, but all of this has been prophesied way back in the Old Testament scripture, already in that day, at the later day, at that latter day, all of it is pointing to the time uh, which we're headed to right now. My God. All right, let's go to uh, Matthew 25. Jesus said he's going to separate his people 
Look at Matthew 25, 31, and 32. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall all be gathered, all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. My God. Now, you know how we are. Uh, we would, not all Republicans are bad. <laughs> you know, us, we just kill the whole group. Not all Democrats are bad. Come on, somebody. Not all white people are bad. Not all black people are bad. Come on, somebody. You know how we are. We want to put a blanket uh, on everything. Uh, but God said, no. I'm going to sit on the throne and I'm going to go. Remember Daniel said, blessed is he that make it to the 1,300 and something days. This is not going to be a snap and we're all in heaven and everything is hunky-dory. God is going to go through and separate uh, the chaff from the wheat. My God. Uh, we saw the first aspect. He returned everything back to, to Eden. And then he loosed Satan. And don't you know, my God, after enjoying a thousand years of heavenly bliss on earth, that was one of the separating processes. God wants a bride. He wants a bride that's going to choose him, that want him. Oh, that's a good one. Coming to America. Eddie Murphy said he's coming to Queens. He didn't want a bride that wanted him because he, he was a, 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 what was he, a prince? That uh, he was uh, heir to the throne. He wanted a woman that loved him for him. If you can understand the natural, you can understand the spiritual. God don't want somebody that's just serving him for the benefits. He set it all up. They enjoyed it for a thousand years, and he turned Satan loose to find out just who is who. Mm. A thousand years. All right. Let's go to uh, Revelation 19. Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he was closed, uh, Revelation 19, 13 through 16. And he was clothed, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. That was his own blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon uh, the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, uh, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of 
and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Who is he? The King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lord. Come on, somebody. My God. And we have read back in, uh, I believe it was Revelation 17, um, pure and right, white is the righteousness of the saints. We will be with him. We are his bride. We are his chosen and faithful. Come on, somebody. All right. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, Luke 22 we see some of the things he said in the past. During his earthly ministry, he told Peter this was not the time to fight. Luke 22, 50 through 53. Luke 22. Now, we done seen a whole lot of fighting. We done seen a whole lot of blood. But during his earthly ministry, come on, somebody. He said, and one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, suffer ye this far, thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests and to the captains of the temple and the elders which would come to him, be ye come out as a thief against a thief with swords and staves. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. My God, this was their hour. But when his hour comes, he's going to fight. Look, look what he said to Pilate. Let's go to John uh, 18. John 18, thirty-six and thirty-seven. Pilate asked him if he was king. All right, Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight." Come on, somebody but that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end I was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Come on, somebody. My God. He came to his own and his own received him not. And certainly we know that it was a pilot and Herod, uh, the beast and the false church, two pieces, original Babylon. It was the city and it was the tower, the city, the government, uh, the tower, the religious piece that was going to reach to heaven. Two pieces, you know somebody, uh, it was those two pieces that came together to kill Jesus. Uh, uh, Pilate, uh, uh, Pilate and Herod didn't agree on nothing, but they both hated Jesus. But they came together 
Amen. And tried to destroy Jesus. Well, they killed him. He had to die. Because without the shedding of blood, uh, there was no remission of sins. All right. Let's go to Ezekiel 40. Ezekiel, the 40th chapter. We're running, you all. We're trying to get this. I'm trying to get to the end of this aspect. Ezekiel 40. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we're just going to read a little bit here. I'm going to re refer to Ezekiel 40 through 48. Um, God gives Ezekiel the vision for the new temple. This is going to be the temple that's on the earth. All right. For eight chapters, God shows Ezekiel a massive structure, far greater than the original temple. Um, we see there in verse two, it says, in the visions of God brought to me unto the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain, among somebody, by which was as the frame of a city on the south. Uh, when he shared a vision with John, uh, God took him and put him up on a, a very high mountain. Uh, when uh, Satan tempted Jesus after the 40 days of fasting, he took him up onto a very high mountain. All right. So when God gives his vision, he brings them to a high mountain. All right. And he shows him this massive temple. Uh, and if you read, it, 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 it covers the whole eight chapters in Ezekiel. God gives Ezekiel the vision, the, 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 um, the measurements of it. Uh, it it's it's, it's kind of mind-boggling when you read it because there's a whole lot to it. And certainly, uh, this is going to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy uh, of the final kingdom on earth. All right. Now we haven't got to the to the new uh, earth and uh, the new heaven and the new earth. This is the one where he's bringing uh, heaven on earth. This is the final kingdom. All right. Let's look at Ezekiel 45. We'll read a little bit of it. Ezekiel 45. Oh, Lord. I really do try to shorten these up, but there is so much, so much richness in God's word. 45, 1 through 5. Moreover, when ye shall divide by lot the land for an inheritance, he told Daniel, uh, close up the book, Daniel, uh, and you will sleep with the fathers. And when uh, you will get your part of your inheritance, this is when he's going to divide up the land. Uh, and Israel is going to get the, those uh, 12 tribes. They're going to get the land that had been promised to their fathers. He's going to divide it up. Uh, you shall offer an oblation unto the Lord and holy portion of the land. The length shall be the length of five and 20,000 reeds. Remember, reeds was that measuring uh, instrument. And the breadth shall be 10,000. This shall be the holy of all uh, the borders thereof round about of this there shall be for a sanctuary 500 in length 
and 500 in breadth, square roundabout, and 50 cubits roundabout uh, for the suburbs thereof. My goodness, uh, a, a temple with a suburb. And of this measure shalt thou measure the length of five and twenty thousand, and the breadth of ten thousand, and it shall be uh, the sanctuary of the most holy place. The holy portion of the land shall be for the priests, the ministers of the sanctuary, which shall come near to minister unto the Lord, and it shall be a place for their houses, and an holy place for the sanctuary, and the five and twenty thousand of length, and the ten thousand of breadth shall also the Levites and the ministers of the house have for themselves for possession for twenty chambers. Uh, we are looking here at a massive uh, 40, 50 square miles of just the temple. A whole lot larger than any temple that we've seen. Um, Solomon's temple. Huge. Bigger than Solomon's temple. All right. Now remember the, uh, uh, the topography and uh, has already changed. Um, geography has already changed, drastically changed. He's going to establish his temple at the top of the mountains. Come on, somebody. A river is going to flow through it that's going to revive the land. The Dead Sea is going to have fish uh, in it again. It's going to uh, support life. He's drastically going to change everything. Come on, somebody. My God. Uh, with huge gates. And Jesus himself is going to dwell in this temple. Look at uh, Genesis 15. Genesis 15 and 18. This temple is going to be a lot larger than the former temple. Genesis 15 and 18. In that same day of the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed I have given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. From Egypt to the Euphrates. Hello, somebody. Now, the Euphrates River, you all remember when we were looking for um, um, the Tower of, of Babel? You can go back, Google Earth it. If you go to the top of Iraq and you follow the Euphrates River down, that's where you find the city and the original foundation is still sitting there. A massive tower that used to be um, the city and the tower. That's all the way in the middle of Iraq. This temple is going to be a whole lot bigger than Solomon's temple. Come on, somebody. It's going to extend down to the south uh, all the way to Egypt. This is a massive temple. 
He's still going to have the priests and the Levites, the provisions, their houses are going to be there and they're going to minister unto the Lord. My God. And this will be a literal temple. God himself is going to dwell there. Come on, somebody. My God. And when we ask that question, that uh, aspect, where would you look for him? Would you go down to Egypt? <laughs> yeah, he's going to dwell in this temple. All of the prophecies concerning him are going to be fulfilled. My God. Let's go to Zechariah. Uh, those that want to, you all remember when we went to, um, we did Google Earth. And uh, you follow that Euphrates. If you go to the north of Iraq, follow the Euphrates rivers down, you will find the city, uh, the original Babylon. And then you will find that, uh, that um, foundation, that massive foundation is still there. But God is saying the new temple is going to go all the way over to the middle of Iraq and down to Egypt. That's huge. That is huge. My God. All right, Zechariah 19. Guess what, y'all? They're going to keep the feast days. Because we got a couple more feasts that need to come. Look at Zechariah 19, 14 through 19. The feast days will be kept in that original temple. The Lord himself, he's going to dwell there. Look what it says. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep what? The Feast of Tabernacles. What is that? That's Sahat. We, we've, we've dealt with that, remember? Uh, God is going to dwell with men. Um, is that the seventh? I think that's the seventh of the um, seven feasts of Jehovah. All right. And it shall be, that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. They're going to be cut off. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not and uh, that have no rain, there shall be the plague. Wherefore the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. My God. Uh, let me see. I got this. Uh, we studied this already, but I do have a slide. Here it goes. The seven feasts of Jehovah. All right, let me get off my uh, lower thirds. All right, the seven feasts of Jehovah. What uh, we have the feast of Passover. First uh, Corinthians five and seven. For even Christ, what our Passover was, what he was 
sacrificed for us. Did he keep that feast? Yes, he did. What about the Feast of Unleavened Bread? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. What did he say? Take, eat, this is my body, which was what? It was broken for you. Did he keep that feast? Yes, he did. What about the Feast of First Fruits? 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 20. But now is Christ risen from the what? Dead. And become the what? First fruits from of them that sleep. Did he keep that feast? Yes, he did. All right, what about the feast of Pentecost? Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, did he keep that feast? Yes, he did. All right, we have the Feast of Trumpets. My God, that's the one that we're waiting on right now. And the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the what? Trump of God. We're waiting on that feast right now. All right, we got the sixth feast. We just read about that when they recognize him coming. That's in Zechariah 12, 10 through 14. All right, when the spirit of grace and supplication is going to be poured out upon um, Israel, Jerusalem. Come on, somebody. My God. So that feast has not yet been fulfilled, but we have read that in our scriptures and now we're dealing with this last feast, Revelation 21, 1 through 3. It says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. We're reading about that right now. They're going to keep the feast of tabernacles, uh, Sahat. Uh, that's when they would, and, and this is a feast uh, that the... Um, um, Jew and Gentile was welcome to come to and they would take tabernacles and set them outside their homes and they would stay in those tents to remind them of the days that they went from tent to tent come on somebody until God gave them their own land they came into the promised land amen but they're going to have this is they're going to keep this feast in this new temple because God himself is going to dwell with us uh, in that uh, this last temple up on earth. They're going to keep the feast. And let me remind you uh, what they said, what he said. Zechariah 19, 14 through 19. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Israel, after he has sorted them, they're going to come from year to year to worship the king. Everybody is going to know who Jesus is. Remember somebody. And they're going to come up. This is, this is a requirement. Uh, the Lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, uh, that have no rain, there shall be the plague 
wherein the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that shall not uh, not up to, uh, to come up to keep the feast of tabernacles. My God, this will be a literal temple. God is going to dwell. We're going to keep the feast of tabernacles with him. You know, somebody, and, and as I say, this was a feast. Uh, Sahat, I believe, uh, was the name um, that both Jew and Gentile. Uh, and the penalty for not recognizing that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you're going to be cut off. That temple is going to extend all the way down to Egypt and go all the way over to Iraq, to the river Euphrates. This is another prophecy coming to fruition. All right, let's get this last scripture and we're going to be done and we're still not done. My Lord, help me. John, uh, I think we uh, caught Jesus. Telling a little fib here, y'all. Look at John 7. Did he say that? John 7, 2 through 15. Jesus told them, when I physically show up at the Feast of Tabernacles, everybody's going to know who I am. Look at this. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacle was at hand. John 7, we want 2 through 15. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go up unto Judea, that the disciples also may see the work that thou dost. For there is no man that doth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe him. Y'all see that? For neither did his brethren believe him. Then Jesus said unto them, <coughs> My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Look what he says. Go ye up unto this feast. I will not, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. When he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went up he also up to the, unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. He told them, now listen, I'm not going to the Feast of Tabernacles. But he went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, but not openly. Come on, somebody. He says, when I physically show up to the Feast of Tabernacles, 
I will have put all of my enemies under my feet and everybody will know that I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and those that won't come up, I'm cutting them off. I'm cutting them off. I can't believe we ran out of time. Um, my goodness. Okay, uh, we'll end it here. We'll end it here. Uh, hopefully you all are enjoying a revelation. There's so much God is showing. It's amazing how we're studying revelation, but it's taken us all over the Bible. Uh, this, this moment that we're heading into has been prophesied way back in the Old Testament scripture. God's truth is coming to pass. Uh, we're waiting on that feast of trumpets. Uh, saints, uh, don't get caught with your work yet undone because we see it coming to pass. We see it coming to pass. And he said, when you see these things, the desolation, you know, uh, when these things are coming, the desolation is nigh. And we see the destruction that's coming against this world right now. Everything is in place. Amen. Uh, but thanks, it is time for us to look up for our redemption draweth nigh. And I'm hoping that these, uh, this Bible study is jumping off the page at you. You're seeing it. You're seeing it. You're following it. Uh, this prophecy is coming to pass. It's being fulfilled. Everything that has been spoken about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's coming to pass. Every prophecy is going to be fulfilled. My God, may God bless you. May God keep you is our prayer. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have not been saved and you want to be saved, call us. Call us, 734-477-6891. Uh, uh, we have ministers on staff that will return your call. Uh, we have water to baptize you in the name of Jesus and a great big God that will fill you with his spirit by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He will prepare you. He will prepare you to see his face in peace. If you are under the sound of my voice and you have not been saved, call us. 734-477-6891. Amen. We have ministers that will share with you the scripture, pray with you, amen, and baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And God himself will fill you with his spirit, the Holy Spirit, by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. May God bless you. May God keep you.